0: Hello, and welcome to today's Ask the Experts webinar, brought to you by Align Technology. Now, without any further delay, I'd like to introduce today's host, David Molman, with Align Technology. David, you have the floor. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, Navigating the Nuances of the Invisalign Team with Dr. Barry Glazer. You'll earn two CE hours for attending today's program, and you'll receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Doctor site account. Please note you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance for we're not able to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week per day on the education tab of your Invisalign doctor site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our pre- previous ASCII expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's kind of a distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Barry Glazer. Dr. Barry Glazer, an Invisalign elite preferred provider, has been providing quality dental care since 1988. He was awarded his dental degree from the University of Pennsylvania School of Dental Medicine in 1988 and has earned his specialty in orthodontics from Boston University School of Graduate Dentistry in 1992. Dr. Glazier was an early adopter of the Invisalign team and the iTero digital scanner. He participated in the pilot for SmartTrack and has a featured case in Alliance ClinCheck two Toolkit. He has spoken at several Invisalign summits and is the speaker of Invisalign courses and events since 2008. So without further delay, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Glazier. Dr. Glazier, you have the floor. Thanks, David. Thanks for that. Great introduction and hello, everybody out there in computer land. What we want to talk today, what I wanted to talk to you today about is navigating the nuances of Invisalign team. But first, a little housekeeping. I want to let you know that the statements, views, and opinions expressed in this program and related course materials are those of the speaker. Blind technology may not endorse such statements, views, or opinions. Attendees are responsible for legal and regulatory compliance. Of any marketing and referral programs, and a little bit about me. As David had mentioned, I have my uh, achieved my dental degree from the University of Pennsylvania and my certificate in orthodontics from Boston University. But I also have a, a BA in psychology from binghamton University. And in addition to learning about clincheck and handling team patients, you're going to also be getting some site 101 today. And we're going to talk about the principles of motivation, and how you can use those psychological principles to keep your Invisalign teen cases on track and happy. So in the next 60 minutes or so, we might have a little bit more than 60 minutes, we're going to learn best practices to ensure clinical clinical excellence in teen patients. You'll learn the simple psychology of motivating teen patients. I'm going to spend some time dispelling the myths regarding teen treatment. We're going to to examine some comprehensively treated teen cases. So let's dive right in and let's meet Ava. Ava is a 12-year-old female represented in the early permanent dentition. She has a class two division one malocclusion, a deep overbite, upper spacing, lower crowding, and I treated her with Invisalign teen. So here's Ava's clinical presentation, and I think you have to ask yourself, if if a patient like Ava, 12 years old, with this rather challenging malocclusion presented, would you think in your practice that she's an Invisalign teen case? And I have to say that patients like this are fantastic patients. She's motivated, she presented asking for Invisalign teen, her, one of her friends had, had was treated with teen, and she wanted to, and we'll talk about how we keep patients like Ava engaged and, and motivated. But first, let's talk a little bit about some clinical orthodontics. So you can appreciate that she's got a deep overbite that's contributed both from super eruption of the upper anterior teeth, as well as a deep curve of speed. And as you can see from her facial photos, she's got, she has excessive gingival deploy, display, at smiling, and that's something that we endeavor to try to correct. So in a case like this, she requires absolute extrusion of both the upper and lower incisors, and that is something that we can set up on our checks successfully uh, with Invisalign treatment. Nothing terribly significant in her panoramic x-ray, and I think her CFS, shows a, a rather typical class two pattern. She's got some degree of mandibular uh slightly hyperdivergent facial pattern, but a normal nasolabial angle. And one of the beauties of Invisalign treatment is the excellent vertical control that you get without even really having to do anything special. The interocclusal plastic posteriorly helps to prevent unwanted clockwise mandibular rotation And I think that that speaks very well to a case like this, where we we are are endeavoring to try to reduce her facial convexity. So let's take a look at Avis Clincheck. Okay, so a couple of things first. I want to show you the magnitude of the class 2 relationship. It's relatively significant on both the right side and the left side. So how do we set this case up for success? Let's start in the lower arch. The patient presents with a deep curve of speed. And what we want to do in a case like this, now what I don't want to do, I don't want to correct her deep overbite via posterior eruption. And the reason I don't want to do that is because she's already somewhat mandibular deficient and she's class two. If I erupt the posterior teeth, I'm concerned about potentially uh, potential clockwise mandibular rotation which would make her class two discrepancy worse and also make her appear more retrognathic. So that's not the move that I want. In a case like this, I endeavor to treat her deep overbite with lower anterior intrusion. So in the lower arch, we're going to approach that by setting up posterior anchorage. And what I mean by posterior anchorage is that these attachments, these are occlusively beveled rectangular attachments on the lower fours and fives, and those attachments are going to provide a liner grip. Think about physics. For every action, there's an equal an opposite reaction. So in a case like this, the aligner is depressing the lower incisors. The reaction force will be that the aligner will tend to dislodge posteriorly. But that's a problem. If the aligner dislodges posteriorly, it would be the same thing as if the patient braces and you had, let's say, a utility arch with a tip back bend to the molar and the wire became disengaged from the tube. There's no more force for intrusion. So I need that aligner to snap down in the buckle segments to support the lower incisor intrusion. So this would be my go-to setup. I would go into 3D controls in ClinCheck Pro and through the magic of technology, I can show you what that looks like. And I would engineer the attachments on the lower fours and fives, go into attachments and cuts, and I would make them four millimeters in length. And the reason that I make them four millimeters in length is that I want to get additional aligner grip in the buckle segments to support the intrusion of the lower incisors, so we'll do that on both sides. Now the second move that I'll make is I want to develop a reverse curve of speed in the lower arch, and it's not anything different that I would do with a patient where I was treating them with fixed appliances. And if you think about pre-adjusted prescriptions and straight-wire orthodontics in general, now, the promise, of, I suppose, of straight wire appliances is that we, we tend to want to throw a wire into the patient and somehow the, the case is going to treat itself. And, and as orthodontists, we know that doesn't happen. We know that despite the fact that we have sophisticated prescriptions and metallurgy to treat our patients with, with braces, we're still engineering our wires. We're making compensating bends. We are adding auxiliaries. And one of the common things in a patient like this would be to perhaps, at, at the initial arch wire, to place some kind of reverse curve arch wire to help to level the curve of speed. And my point is this. When we place a reverse curve of speed arch wire, we don't really expect the lower arch to get that curve, but we know that by placing a reverse curve arch wire in the lower arch, the reverse curve will flatten the arch. It's going to produce force systems to get flat. Well, it turns out to be the same thing with Clinch. So what I would do is go into 3D Controls and select the tooth option. Now, this is a neat little move. When I want to move a block of teeth all at the same time, if I hold down if, – if, if you learn one thing on this webinar, I hopefully this will be worth it. <laughs> if you hold down the control key, you can select multiple teeth on your ClinCheck, and then you can move them all at once. So in a case like this, I'm going to add an additional – Two millimeters of lower incisor intrusion as over treatment to put a force system to flatten the arch, just like I would do with uh, a reverse curve arch wire. Now, if you'll notice, you'll see that some IPR lights up. In this situation, you can safely remove the IPR. Now, here's why I don't expect the lower incisors to ever reach this level of intrusion. I am just essentially place a force system on the lower incisors to get the arch flat, just like a reverse curve of the arch wire. So the the lower incisors aren't going to wind up here, so you don't need to worry about the IPR. So there's some overengineering in my lower arch, and that works really well to help to control the device. And if you're looking for a nice set of instructions to give your technician, uh, I actually have this as on my clinical preferences. My clinical preferences state, for all deep bite cases, please finish with the final overbite, zero millimeters. And it gives me a little bit of additional forces to get the bite open, And that works real well. And that's exactly how I set up Ava's case. One of the things to talk about, too, would be, let me just turn off three controls here for a second. She's also set up to wear class two elastics. And the way I like to do it is I like to re- use precision cut elastic hooks on the upper canines and the lower molars, um, and, to, and I place a retentive attachment on the lower first molar. This is an occlusively beveled rectangular attachment to prevent the aligner from popping off from the pole of the elastic. If you prefer to place a button here and a, a button cut out a button, it'll work just fine too. So here's a clinchette, and. At the very end, you'll see the class to the elastic jump, which is a prediction of the occlusal change that I'm expecting in this case. So now let's go forward and see how we did. So this is Ava's refinement clincheck. And as you can see, the sagittal correction is almost there, so I'm going to continue to run in refinement, class two elastics. We need to soften the occlusion just a little bit more. Almost class one, not quite there. Bite right opening is coming along well. Lower arch is relatively flat, but if you look at teeth eight and nine, you notice that they still look long relative to seven and ten, and in particular, because Ava has a gummy smile, I really want to get some additional intrusion to eight and nine. So in refinement, we set her up with some additional intrusion of upper right one, upper left one. And if you'll notice on the laterals, there's attachments. And the attachments on the maxillary laterals, they're conventional attachments, and I use them all the time. And what they are are four millimeter long rectangular attachments that are beveled towards the gingival. I then drag that attachment down towards the incisal edge. Where the aligner plastic is a little bit thicker and I, you get a little bit more grip. The purpose of these attachments is to support the intrusion of the upper incisors. So let's look at Newton's third law one more time. So the aligner, the four systems are placing an intrusion force on upper right one, upper left one. That reaction force makes the aligner tend to slip off the laterals. And you may see this in your cases where a patient presents, and you're trying to intrude eight and nine, and it looks like the laterals are not tracking because you'll see a gap of aligner plastic down at the inside of the ledge. But if you think about it, it's not that the laterals are not tracking, it's that the centrals are not intruding. And the centrals are not intruding, and the aligners appear to look like they're slipping off the laterals. These attachments provide vital aligner grip so that the aligners stay engaged on the laterals, and you will gain more effective intrusion of the centrals. And I do this move, I don't necessarily do it in my first clip check. If I get, for example, a optimized attachment, I'll go with the optimized attachment. But in those cases where I'm not getting the intrusion that I want, on refinement, I will place these attachments, and I have to tell you, they work great. So here's Ava at the beginning, oh, oh, forgot about that slide. So here's the attachment. Here's one other move that I make. I will rotate the attachment using 3D controls to make that bevel broad and flat to give myself some additional aligner grip up here so that the aligners stay engaged. And this is what they look like in reality. And I have to say, too, that I know that lots of doctors ask me questions about how to avoid placing attachments on the anterior teeth, but in a case like this, they really are vitally necessary. But I have to make the comment that even zoomed up, they're really not that bad. I mean, I think these are reasonably, reasonably aesthetic um, and it does give the patient an excellent result. As you can see here, that the, the aligners seem well engaged and the case is tracking well, in addition to some of the other nice things that you get with Invisalign team, like good hygiene, no enamel decalcification, and no gingival overgrowth. So, here's another example of those attachments. In this this patient, I was looking to intrude upper right one, upper left one, to level the incisal edges. And as you can see, and if you look at the gingival margin here on the upper right one, you can see that the margins rolled a little bit. I think that's sort of testimony to the fact that we really did gain some absolute intrusion here. And there's the attachments. And again, I think aesthetically, they're they're really not so bad, and they, they work great. So here's Ava at the beginning of treatment. And here she's at the end of treatment. We've achieved excellent sagittal correction with light class two elastics. Her, her class two elastic force was, was two ounces, so we've corrected to class one on both sides, uh, and, and improved her smile arc and improved her gummy smile as well. Tissue looks great. Teeth are nice and shiny. No decalcification. I'm just really happy with the result. She's she's a great kid. And this is just a close-up of the difference that you can achieve with aligner therapy, and I'm, I'm really happy with that result, and, and she was too. Her final pan is normal, Root position looks good. If you look, look at her superposition, she started with somewhat of a deficient mandible, and I am not expecting to grow a mandible here, so we did not see impressive growth. Nevertheless, you see some of the effects that the research shows, and if you're looking for a good article, look at the March 2013 AJODO and an article by Jansen and Associates that looks at the effects of Class II elastics. And one of the effects is that you get a headgear effect, and the eight-point tends to stay in its original position, and the maxillary first molar tends to stay in its original position while you're getting dentitional changes in the lower arch, and that adds up to nice Class II correction. Ava's treatment time was two years, four months, 28 months, two refinements, and she only had to use two-ounce light elastics and she's being retained within those line retainers. Okay, so now, let's talk a little bit about Psych 101, and let's talk a little bit about the psychological concept of motivation. And by the way, there are some test questions in here, too, so I'm just saying. (laughs) So what is motivation? The definition of motivation are the biological, emotional, social, and cognitive forces that activate behavior. In in more lay terms, motivation is why a person does something, why we engage in a behavior. Now, last question, warning, there are three components of motivation. The first is activation. Activation is the decision to initiate a behavior. Second component is persistence, and that is the continued effort toward a goal. And the third component is intensity, which is the concentration and In- vigor that goes into pursuing the goal. It doesn't have to be invisible. You think, for example, about maybe you want to get into shape or you want to lose a couple of pounds. All of these three things have to go into becoming motivated to reach a goal. And all of these are absolutely necessary for successful Invisalign teen treatment. Now, I want to talk, talk to you a little bit about the differences between extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. Extrinsic motivation are things on the outside that help us reach a goal. Trophies, monetary rewards, social recognition, praise, all of those things help to keep us on track to what we're supposed to do versus intrinsic motivation, which is what comes from inside each of us and it's personal gratification and satisfaction in achieving the task. Now, Invisalign is incredibly motivating to teens, and it provides extrinsic motivation for the obvious reasons. reasons. You have a high school kid, it's it's less noticeable than braces in social situations, more comfortable. Teenagers are very appreciative of not having diet restrictions, and all of those factors are extrinsic motivators that, that help keep teens on track. But what about intrinsic motivation? We want to sort of activate the patient's own desires to achieve. And I have found that this magic phrase, you won't have to go to the prom or have class pictures with braces is incredibly powerful. And I have to tell you a quick story. And this is a true story. Two years ago, a patient came in, she was in eighth grade and she wanted braces because her friend had braces and she wanted colors. And we said, okay, fine. So we put braces on and she'd come into the office with a little pigtail. True story. And she'd be so excited about picking out her colors. Everything went along fine. She'd always come in with her mom for appointments. Well, one day, the next fall, I walk in, and she's sitting in in the chair, not looking at me. looking straight ahead. Her pigtails are cut. She's got a piercing. And there's a strange man sitting in the the parent chair who turns out to be her father, who I've never met before. And he doesn't say hello, and he looks up at me, and he says, she wants to know when these things are coming off. Why? Because she's in high school and her friend got her braces off and, and now I'm ruining his daughter's life and she's ruining his life and, and it's a bad situation for everybody. And I think we've all dealt with that, with, with, with children make that transition through puberty and all of a sudden you're doing wonderful orthodontic treatment and everybody's mad to be orthodontist. Uh, and the patients are no longer motivated, they're not brushing, they're not replying, and, and you know what happens after that. Well, you can capitalize on that kind of concept with Invisalign team, and you have a patient that's being treated with Invisalign team, and all you have to do is say, look, if you don't want to take selfies with braces, if you don't want to have to go to high school with braces, if you don't want your senior portrait with braces, just wear your aligners 22 hours per day, follow our instructions, and you won't have to. And it's incredibly motivating to kids. If you, if you think back to, to yourself, when you were in high school. You know things were important but what, what brand you wore even today you know the kids have to wear whether it's underarm or uh-huh. dark face but they're very very brand specific and it, for example you know my kids want sneakers and if i don't find the right ones they refuse to put them on and that, that psych, psychological concept of motivation helps to keep these kids on track and quite frankly they are my best patients and if you haven't treated a lot of teens give it a try and just try to partner with them and keep them positively motivated. And you'll be pleasantly surprised at how well they do. Okay. So let's get back. To- and let's meet Haley. Haley's a 12 year old female. Uh, she presents with a class one malocclusion with a deep over, Sorry about that. With upper and lower crowding. And I treated her with a design team. So here's Haley's presentation, class one case, uh, deep overbite, uh, significant upper and lower crowding, uh, in addition to having some collapse uh, on this side of our arch. Now, I have to say that when you're looking at your ClinCheck treatment plans and you're thinking about deep bite correction and, and, know, and you know that deep bite correction can be a challenge, when you look at a case like Haley's, it's really not that difficult. And the reason why is that she's got some degree a retro inclination of her upper and lower incisors. And when we flare, we procline the upper and lower incisors forward, they relatively intrude. The teeth arc forward, and as they arc forward, the bite opens naturally. So a case like Halley's I call this an Invisalign teen free ride. The bite will open naturally as we flare the teeth forward, and. Deep bike correction is not a challenge at all in a case like this. So when you recognize this one, it's not one that you should be concerned about. Nothing unusual on her pan. Nothing terribly unusual on her set. She's normal divergent. Let's take a look at her check. Now, because Haley requires relative intrusion via proclination, I'm not really terribly concerned about anchorage posteriorly like I was in Ada's case. Nevertheless, I still did place anchorage attachments in the buckle segments. There's a small degree of absolute intrusion as well, as you can see here. But for the most part, most of our bite opening is going to be via relative intrusion, and that is super, super predictable. And that's her clincheck. We'll play that through one more time. And let's see how we did. So here she is at refinement, about one year into treatment, and she's looking pretty good. And I want to make an observation here. And I know a, a question that comes up all the time in my seminars is, how do I deal with posterior open bite? And this is my take on posterior open bite. Now, many people feel that this a posterior open bite like this is caused by inadvertent posterior intrusion because of the thickness of the aligner plastic. And quite honestly, I don't, I don't think in many cases that that's what's actually going on. If you look a little bit more closely at Haley's photographs, What happened is that there's a little bit of insufficient torque on the upper incisors. And in my opinion, 90% of posterior open bites are actually caused by heavy anterior contact, right in here. So the remedy for a case like this is to not run buttons and elastics posteriorly to sock in the inclusion. Instead, it's let's deal with the heavy anterior contact. Let me show you how we do that. And it's very unusual, once in a blue moon I have to run buttons and elastics. And I think if you control your ClinCheck from the beginning, you'll find that that posterior open bite issue completely goes away. So here's Sally's case, she's got a slight posterior open bite, so we're going to ask for some additional intrusion of the lower incisors. And then I would go into 3D controls and ClinCheck Pro. And I'm going to make a couple of over-treatment moves here as well. I'm going to hold my control button down, and I'm going to select the upper incisors, and I'm going to go to my twerking tool, and I'm going to add an additional, in a case like this, maybe 20 degrees of palatal root torque, and I'm going to go and I'm going to intrude them, the upper anterior slightly, a millimeter or two. And then I'm going to select my lower interiors and do the same thing. I'm going to over-engineer my ClinCheck to clear the heavy anterior contact. You don't have to worry about the IPR. I would just go ahead and turn that off. Clear the heavy anterior contact to allow the pipe to settle in posteriorly. And that's exactly what we did. So here's Haley when she starts. And here she is at the end of treatment. And as you can see, without any vertical mechanics at all, by improving the anterior torque and the anterior, removing the anterior collisions, the case settles in, into a nice solid class one occlusion. With good bite opening, midlines are on, case looks great. So that's something to think about next time you see a posterior open bite. Here's how you smiled before, Achieve a nice aesthetic and functional result. Final pan is normal. Nothing terribly exciting, I think, on her superimposition. We did ProCline uh, by design in a case like this to achieve the appropriate bite opening and alignment of her teeth. Haley's treatment was 24 months, and she had one refinement. Okay, our next patient is Emma. Emma presented as a 12-year-old female, an early permanent dentition. She presented with a Class II Division one malocclusion, deep overbite, Upper and lower crowding, again, just like Haley, with severe lingual inclination of her anterior teeth when we treated her with Invisalign team. So if Haley, excuse me, if Emma walked into your office, would you treat her with Invisalign? And I have to say, again, based on what we just saw with Haley, because of the retro inclination of the upper and lower incisors, bite opening proceeds normally in a case like this just through relative intrusion. Oh, something else to talk about. Now, if you notice, she still has a primary uh, molar on the lower left side. And this is a beautiful thing. Now, I was fortunate enough to study under Dr. Anthony Ginelli at Boston University. He was talking about evidence-based dentistry, I think before evidence-based dentistry was really even a term. But one of the lectures that Dr. G gave us was talking about the underuse of lingual arches. And Dr. G directed us to research to show that Simply by holding leeway space, 75% of patients could be treated non-extraction without expansion of the intercanine width on the lower arch or or, or proclination, because you get about 2 millimeters of leeway space per side. Four millimeters is quite a lot. So late mixed dentition cases are great for Invisalign team. You start the patient where the lower E's are still in place. Uh, At refinement, the lower E's have exfoliated lower fives have erupted and now you've got four millimeters of space that you can utilize just like you would have with a lingual arch to help to resolve your lower crowding and and it's a beautiful thing upright upper and lower incisors and a hypodivergent facial pattern let's take a look at emma's clincheck Now, you'll notice that she set up for with precision cuts on her upper first premolars and lower molars. And my normal go-to setup is to have the precision cuts on the upper canines, but in this case, the upper canines are only partially erupted, and there wasn't enough room to get an attachment and a precision cut on the tooth. So just like I would do if the patient were in braces. If this patient were in braces, I probably would just skip over the canines. Uh, and have the patient start on short-class two elastics. Well, you can do the same thing with Invisalign. So she's running short-class twos from the upper fours to the lower sixes as we are proclining the upper and lower incisors to what I think is a normal angulation, normal interincisal angle. And we're getting an Invisalign free ride of relative intrusion as well. So here's Emma's pre-treatment presentation. And here she is at the end of treatment. Nice bite opening, nice sagittal correction, nice arch alignment, uh, and a nice facial profile uh, all at the same time. Now I have to make the comment that this is a fairly aggressive amount of lower incisor proclination. And for some of you out there, that might be more than than you're comfortable with. And I think one of the beauties of, of setting up your ClinCheck treatment plans is that it's customizable by you. I mean, I always make the comment that Invisalign is not a technician in Costa Rica telling you what to do. It's you directing your technician to set up the cases the way you want. And your technicians are very skilled. And the more direction you give them, the better your ClinCheck plan will be. So for a case like this, if you looked at your first ClinCheck and felt that maybe that proclination was more than you wanted, this would be a case where you could go with your ClinCheck virtually add in some uh, IPR uh, and set up this case just the way you want it. Set up the arch form, the final position, and it's something that you can achieve very nicely with Invisalign. And I think that degree of control is something that, that is not to be uh, discounted. And I think that's something that you should think about. Now I have to say, too, that I've seen plenty of checks set up with these instructions. Dear technician. Please level, align, and derotate all teeth. And that's it. And I don't even know what that really means. I think it, it means that you're sort of leaving those decisions to the technician. So I don't think that's, those are precise instructions. I think you're much better off talking about degrees of proclination and millimeters of label movement. And you dictate to your technician what you want, and they'll be able to give it to you. And you wind up with a nice result. Final hand is normal. And again, you can appreciate the amount of proclination that I prescribed. This is what I was comfortable with. You have to make the decision for yourself. Emma's treatment lasted 28 months. She had two refinements. She was wearing light class II elast- uh, elastics, and she's being retained with Invisalign retainers. Okay, so now, I wanted to give you a little bit of, we, we only have an hour or an hour and 15 minutes, and it goes by oh too fast but I wanted to give you a little lightning round to show you what you can achieve on teenage patients routinely. So this patient is Lance. Lance presented at the age uh, of 11, and you might look at the upper left one and think, you know, it's never going to happen in a million years. But Lance was treated in 16 months with the team. This is Bridget. Bridget's challenge was to uh, absolutely extrude, absolute movements are more challenging. So absolute extrusion is extrusion. You're extruding that upper right canine relative to the alveolus. So in Bridget's case, we set her up with a button cutout on the upper right canine. I bonded a button here, and I had two precision cut elastic hooks on the lower canine and first premolar, and she wore a triangle elastic, just like I would do if the patient were in braces. So this is an elastic-assisted extrusion. And her case turned out well. Nice, Nicely softened occlusion. This is Erin. Erin also presented with a deep bite. In Erin's case, you know, you start to see patterns. And I look at Erin and I think, you know, she reminds me a lot of Ava. So this would be a great case where I'm looking to intrude the upper right one and the upper left one that are super erupted. This would be a great case to set up her laterals with the four millimeter long gingerly beveled rectangular attachments to achieve absolute intrusion of the centrals. And at the same time, this would also be a good case to use precision bite ramps to disclude the posterior teeth to help the swing that cross that upper right canine out of crossbite. And her case turned out nicely as well. This is Kyle. Would you treat Kyle with Invisalign, a deep-impinging overbite, a significant overjet, a large protrusion? And Kyle was treated with a similar protocol with over-engineering of the deep bite with additional reverse curve of speed, class to elastics, and intrusion and retraction of the upper incisors. In this case, it turned out nicely, and there's no, no other auxiliaries other, other than just class two elastics. This treatment was 17 months. This patient, you know, more of a, if you're really looking for an invisalign teen low-hanging fruit, if you haven't treated teens at all and you're still maybe a little skittish, uh, a patient like this is ideal. This patient presents with a class 1 malocclusion. She doesn't have a deep bite or or, or open bite or vertical problem. It's essentially a class 1 crowded case, and she was treated with a combination of lower uh, IPR, uh, a judicious amount of proclination, and posterior expansion. Her case lasted uh, one year, did not require any, any case refinement, even with those severely rotated upper canines. This patient, you can tell what year I started him by the uh, Bieber haircut, this is Tim, (laughs) probably 2011. The clinical challenge in Tim's case is the labial movement of the upper lateral incisors requires quite a bit of compensatory labial root torque. Uh, And again, my instructions to my technician here were please give me an additional 30 degrees of labial root torque on the upper right two and the upper left two, to help to control that you know what this would be like this would be like a case where maybe you would flip the bracket upside down if you're using a pre-adjusted appliance to get some additional torque well we can do the same thing with the liners and we were able to control the position and the torque uh control on the upper laterals to give him a good functional anesthetic result as well this is oscar um if that frightens you it shouldn't it's class two class two division two with a deep impinging overbite and we were able to get Oscar corrected to a nice result as well. So, there's really a lot you can do uh, with Invisalign Teen Treatment if you think through your check plan, and you think through biomechanics, and you apply what you already know, what you do every day with braces, and you apply those principles to your aligner therapy. This is Gabriella. Gabriella was one of my early Invisalign Teen Patients. She presented as a 12-year-old young lady with a significant anterior crossbite, traumatic occlusion on the lower incisors, gingival stripping. Gabriella's treatment was 19 months. And she just came into my office, lucky for you, (laughs) she just came into my office um, on Wednesday. And now three years into retention, and she's holding up well. Interestingly enough, she did have a little bit of asymmetric mandibular growth. She, She was a class three. So the midline's off maybe a little bit more, nevertheless, her her occlusion is holding up well and it was a non-surgical case and she did great. And she's wearing her retainers and she's a happy patient. Okay, so now let's get off clinical orthodontics for a while and let's talk a little bit about how to handle the Invisalign team consultation, because typically you're going to be dealing with, well, in my office, we almost always deal with the moms. It's very rare that dads come in, but you're gonna be dealing with the parents and you may be dealing with some objections. So this is how I have a successful Invisalign team consultation in eight easy steps. Number one, now this may seem obvious, I suppose it is, but I'm sitting in the exam room and I'm looking at a child and my TC is taking notes. And I look up at the parent and I say, "Gabriella is an excellent." If the patient's ga- name is Gabriella, uh, Gabriella is an excellent Invisalign candidate. And that phrase is going to elicit one of two responses. Now, if the parent says, "You know, you're the fourth opinion that we've been to, and the other three orthodontists said she's not a candidate," well, that's you know, that's the easiest consult you're ever going to have. Because if the patient says yes. We're here to see you because we know that you're the Invisalign team doctor in our community. Basically, I I explain whatever I think is important as far as diagnosis and treatment planning, and then I turn it over to my treatment coordinator who explains the Invisalign process, presents the fee, payment options, closes the deal, and then sets up appointments to start. Now, in my office, that would be a half hour appointment to take a scan and to complete our records, and then three weeks later, a 45-minute appointment to place attachments, and to begin the Invisalign experience. If you happen to be set up in your office for same-day starts, there's no compelling reason that you couldn't go ahead and do your scan and get gather those records right at the consult and then set the patient up to start uh, three weeks later. So that's the easy one. But what happens, and this can happen more often when you're, when there's not a lot of Invisalign teen treatment going on in your community. Parents may say something like, well, hold on a second, and then they have objections. And in the cases where parents have objections, I think it's important for either you or your treatment coordinator to take a few minutes and debunk the myths. Because patients come in with myths that they've either read, you know, on the the, uh, the oracle of Google, you know, but you know, the, uh, the oracle of misinformation, or perhaps they've been in another orthodontic office where the orthodontist said they weren't a candidate, or you know, there's an orthodontist in my community that say, you know, Invisalign doesn't work because they've never done a case. And they poison the patients with all these myths about what Invisalign can't do. So we spend a few minutes with the parents to educate them on what Invisalign really is. So what are the most common myths? Well, number one, well, the parents say, well, you know, we know Invisalign is more expensive. Now this is something that you have to decide for yourself. And I think it depends a lot on your community. In my community, Uh, If I charge, upcharge for Invisalign, it makes patients want to switch to braces. They they don't want to pay the extra money for Invisalign. And it can be a killer if you're looking to to get to the elite level. Now, I think it's important to get to the elite level for a couple of reasons. Number one, you get a nice discount. You get volume discounts for treating. You know, Invisalign technology gives you a reward. And I want those volume discounts so that it reduces my overhead. The other thing that's nice about being elite is that you get listed high up on the doctor locator, and the doctor locator is a way that aligned technology will drive patients to your office. So I don't want to put obstacles in front of my patient to have them have invisible treatment. So when parents say, well, how much more is this going to cost? My PC or I say, it's not going to cost you a penny more. It's the same fee. And sometimes that, that's the major objection. But I think it's important to deal with some of the other objections as well. And if they come from another office where they say no, and this line doesn't work, or you can't finish, or all those other myths, it's important to have a gallery, whether it's on an iPad or on your computer or on a a little book, of befores and afters of patients, teen patients that you've treated successfully, just like the ones I've showed you. And you show them to the parents, and there's always a story. Oh, here's a patient. You know, we wanted to get her finished before the sweet sixteen, or. Here's a young lady that's a performer. And, and, and those little human interest stories, I think, go a long way to, to making, uh, making parents understand that, there's more than just, that orthodontics is more than just straight teeth. So I have an iPad, and the patients just kind of scroll through the befores and afters, and they can see for themselves that you can achieve a beautiful smile and a functional bite with, with Invisalign. Now, this is a big one. You know, I don't want to have to go through the garbage at McDonald's and look for the lost aligners. Or what they're thinking is, how much is it going to cost me every time Johnny loses an aligner? Well, don't worry about that, Mrs. Jones, because with Invisalign Team, the first six replacement aligners are at no charge. And it's no big deal. If your child loses an aligner, it's digital dentistry. You can go online, you can order a, a new aligner for you, if it's not going to cost you a penny. Now, in reality, It's very unusual that we order a new set of aligners and this is an emergency in my office that I never know that happens because Nancy at the front desk handles it. This is how it works. Mrs. Jones calls up and she says, Nancy, I have a problem. Johnny lost his aligner. Nancy says, what aligner is Johnny on? Mrs. Jones says number four. And Nancy says, have Johnny switch to number five. If it's not too tight, have him wear it an extra week and the problem is solved. I don't even know the emergency ever happened. Almost always, especially with SmartTrack. SmartTrack is an, an amazing material and it's very resilient. You can generally have a patient jump ahead of set, and it works just fine. If the parent says, look, you, you put the next aligner and it's too tight, then you say, okay, go back to number three. We always have them save their old aligners. Go back to number three, I'll go online, I'll order you a new set of no charge and it'll be here in a couple of days and the problem is solved. So that allays fears for parents that you know you have to think about parents too. You know, they were probably traumatized when they were a kid, when they threw their retainer out in the garbage and their parents didn't pay for it. So parents have these past experiences in their minds, so it's nice to allay their fears. Certainly, you or your treatment coordinator should spend some time explaining the benefits of Invisalign. And after a while, you know, it may seem obvious to you, but it may not seem be so obvious to the, to the parents. So what are the benefits and, and to the patient too? Well, number one, Invisalign is much less noticeable and you can use the magic phrase to, to the child. You don't have to go to the prom or have your class pictures with braces. And that's very motivating for, you know, we have like some of these patients that I showed you where they're either cheerleaders or performers or, uh, or athletes and they don't want braces in high school. And this helps to activate their intrinsic motivation. Clearly they're much more comfortable. We don't deal with canker sores and that kind of thing, like we do with fixed appliances. Uh, rare emergencies. What's an Invisalign emergency? They, they call up and lose a retainer. It's generally, it's not even a red appointment on your schedule because it could be handled at the front desk. Um, and that, by the way, that benefit is not just a benefit for the, for the patient and the parent, That's also a benefit for your practice too. If if you add up the number of emergency appointments you have every year and you could significantly cut that down, what does that say to making your schedule run more on time and more efficiently and having you and your staff be happier? Parents too. I mean, they they don't want to keep schlepping back over to your office. That's a New York term for those of you who are not in the New York area. Um, Coming over to your office for emergencies too. And I think the efficiency of Invisalign is a huge plus for busy parents and busy kids. Um, we see patients in my office once every three months. So when you start your Invisalign teen experience, we insert a liner number one and we give you number two through six. And that is a plus. Don't feel guilty. The, par- the parents, don't feel like you're somehow ripping them off by not seeing them enough. You know, Mrs. Jones, if, if Gabriella is, a, is a good patient and follows instructions, we're only going to need to see you about once a season. We know you're busy. We know you're, you're, you know you're both both parents are working. And, of course, we all know that volleyball and soccer are much more important. This is between you and me, guys. But volleyball, football, and soccer are much more important than their dental health. And you know how hard it is sometimes to get these kids in for appointments. Sometimes I can't see kids at all during football season. Well, it's not a problem. Here's enough aligners to last you through football season, and we'll see you when, when the season's over. And parents appreciate that. That is a huge plus. So make sure you don't overlook that one. Better hygiene. You saw the cases that I was showing you. You don't deal with gingival overgrowth and enamel decalcification. And I think that's a, a tremendous plus, too. And not only do parents appreciate that, but you're referring you're referring dentists will appreciate it as well. Um, this is another big one. You, you have that kid that comes in, you've convinced them that braces are cool, and you give them the, the T-shirt that says braces are cool, and they're all excited for braces, and then you take out the no-no list there's no sticky candy and no gum and you know chips and and, then all of a sudden braces aren't so cool anymore we tell patients if you want to chew sugarless gum knock yourself out um they can chew the chew gum with their aligners and it, it may stick a little bit i don't care as long as it's sugarless um and kids love that susie if you want to take your aligners out when you go to the movies with your friends and eat popcorn that's fine with me halloween Leave your aligners at home, knock yourself out, and it's very, very motivating for, for teenage patients. It's a big deal. Um, you should absolutely show them examples of attachments. Now, this this idea I got from Dr. David Ostreicher, fantastic orthodontist in Long Island. This is Elin Nordgren, and this is a picture of Elin Nordgren in People magazine after her divorce from Tiger Woods. And if you zoom up on her smile, you'll see that she's got attachments on her teeth. Well. Find a picture of Elin Nordgren on the web, copy and paste it to your desktop, and every patient that comes in, have your TC pull up this picture and use the magic phrase, if she can do it, so can you. Elin Nordgren is a model, one of the most beautiful people in the world. If she can smile big and bright in People Magazine, you can have it too. You know, it cracks me up for adult patients. you know, I've had adult patients say to me, I, I can't wear these Invisalign and have attachments on my teeth, I'm a teacher. So I'll say, oh, are you a college professor? No, I teach second grade. I say, I really don't think the seven-year-olds in your class are going to mind that you have attachments, but for sure, you want to educate patients on attachments, and, and you don't want that a surprise the day they get their aligner. So show them the attachments and reassure them that it's not really an aesthetic issue. IPR. Not only should you explain IPR in late terms, I think a really nice term is recontouring. You need to do some, some judicious or gentle recontouring between your lower front teeth to make some room to help them fit in. I think that's a nice term that's not, not terrifying. Um, there's a great brochure that you can get from the AAO that goes over all the details of why IPR is safe and effective, done appropriately. I also think this is a tip. We explain IPR three different times. We explain it at the consult, we explain it again when the patient's getting their indisaligned skin, and if it's a teenager, On the visit where we're going to perform IPR for the first time, I want the parent back in the treatment room, because sometimes the parents, you know, they sit up in the reception area, they're working on their laptop or they're on a conference call, but I don't want to perform IPR on a child and have them walk back into the waiting room with some blood in their aligners because their papilla are high and have the parents say, I don't understand what you did to my child. Because even though you've explained the IPR to them two times before, they don't remember. So this is one of the situations where I think it's critically important to inform before you perform. So have the parents sitting in the chair and say, Mrs. Jones, this is the visit. where We're going to do that gentle recontouring. And you'll be surprised at how many times the parents go, wait, you're going to do what? And they have no recollection of the other two conversations. So go over it one more time so that your parents aren't upset because, you know, you bowed down their kids' teeth or some of the other things that they say to me sometimes. So tell them about it and then you're good. Discuss refinement early and often. Now, this has happened to me, so I'm, don't make the same mistake I did. I had a, had a young lady come in for a treatment. I told her she was gonna be a two-year case. It wasn't or Ava, but, but that type of case. So they get their first batch of aligners, and it's like 22 stages of aligners. And the patient comes in at stage 22, and we're ready to do a refinement, and the kid says to me, you promised me that I was gonna be done in 44 weeks. And the mom says to me, it swears that she heard me say it too. And of course they didn't say it, but what happened was they, they went in home or they went in the car and they looked at their little looked at their little liner pouches and they saw 22 stages times two. And in their mind, they reconstruct psychologically that I said their treatment was going to be 44 weeks, even though I told them it's a two-year treatment plan. And I don't get upset by that because it's just a phenomenon. I mean, we don't always, you know, perception is different for every person. So it's important to set up realistic expectations using phrases like this. You will need multiple batches of aligners. At your first checkpoint, we will re-scan your teeth for your next bunch of aligners. Because when you say that to a kid, they'll say, well, how many will I need? And then I say, I don't know. And it's true. I don't know how many stages you'll need until I work up your virtual treatment. I'll let you know next visit. And if you talk about refinement early and often, it helps to reduce the chances that a patient will say, you promised me that I would be done in in 44 weeks and now everybody's mad. So take it from me uh, because I've made that mistake. Number eight, liberally use the hammer of Thor. Now I'm a Mets fan, so that has even more significance for me uh, based on our our picture. But the hammer of Thor for me, to get parents to, to get over that hump, to say yes to Invisalign teen treatment is this. If for any reason, it's not working for you or your child i will switch you over to braces at no additional charge now if you pick the right child if you pick that high school kid that cheerleader that eagle scout the chances of you having to switch over to braces are almost zero and i track it in my office and we have to switch to braces about 1% of the time now you should be aware that right now so this this Seminar was being given live on May twentieth, two thousand sixteen. So if it's archi- if you're listening to it archived, this may or may not apply. But right now, there's an Invisalign team guarantee from Align Technology, and if you have a patient, a team patient that starts an in Invisalign and they flunk out of Invisalign within the first six months, uh, Align Technology will refund you three hundred dollars to cover the cost of switching them over to the braces. And it's not full refund, but it's better than a hole in the head. So that's something to consider. Now, why do I say this? It's simply because patients very rarely bail out of an disaligned teen. It gets parents to say yes. So if 99% of the time the patient finishes successfully, once in a blue moon, I need to switch over to braces, and I, I get a couple of hundred dollars, you know, $300 back from malign technology, and we finish them up in braces. So it, but it happens in much less. If you don't treat teens, you, think, you probably think I'm making this up, but it almost never happens. But that hammer of Thor, you say to parents and you walk out of the room when you turn things over to your treatment coordinator and you say, look, you have nothing to lose. And, and it's a great way, a great positive imagery to help the parents have more confidence that in team is going to be a good thing for their kids. Okay, so we're uh, kind of coming down the home stretch. We have a few minutes to go here. I wanted to give you a few little management pearls that I learned the hard way. And so hopefully you won't have to. Number one. Always have your patients, and this goes for any invisalign patient. Always have them arrive to their appointments wearing their existing set of aligners. Um, if they say something like, "Oh, I just left them in the car," or "Oh, I, I didn't wear them today because I was new, knew I was getting a new set," that is a huge red flag. And I've had this just happened a couple of weeks ago. I, I heard this conversation in the clinic. One of my st- staff said to a patient, "Where's your aligners?" And he said, "Oh, I left them in the car." So Jackie said to him, Oh, could you please go out and get them? Dr. Glazer wants to check the fit. And there's this long pause, and he goes, Oh, actually, they're at home. <laughs> so Jackie says, So you just lied to me. And the kid goes, well, I didn't lie. <laughs> thinking, I, I think you kind of did lie. Anyway, red flags. When patients don't have their aligners, be suspicious that maybe they're not compliant or maybe they lost them. I always want to check the fit of the current set of aligners. If they're not compliant, if the compliance indicators are not faded, I don't simply dispense out more plastic. So keep compliance indicators a secret at first. Compliance indicators are the little blue dots on the sides of your aligners that fade when the patients are wearing the aligners well. Well, don't tell the kids about the um, compliance indicators on the first visit. If they come back at the second visit and the compliance indicators are faded, share in the joy and use it as an opportunity for positive reinforcement. Hey, Johnny, you're doing a great job. You see these blue dots? They're faded. That means you're wearing them well. Keep up the good work. If they're not, if they are glowing bright blue, and you're sh- pretty sure that that patient just took that, aligner, you know, took that aligner out of the bag a minute ago, we don't denigrate our patients. I don't think yelling works, um, so I don't do it. We say to patients, you know, some parents, some kids' teeth move faster than others, so I want you to keep in this set for another couple of weeks. And I want to see those dots faded, and they get the message that you're monitoring their treatment. So I think, and by the way, I happen to use uh, Invisalign teens for adults for the same reason. And we say to pa- patients, adult patients, the same thing: you're just not ready to switch. I'm not going to give you any more aligners until you're ready. And they get the message nicely without yelling at them or putting them down. That there's a sequence, to the way things work, and they can't do do-it-yourself Invisalign and make up their own rules. So that huge red flag, I left them in the car, almost always they're not in the car. So be suspicious of that. Now, having said that, if they really say I left their aligners at home, I left my aligners at home because I knew I was getting a new set and you insert the new set and it fits like the glo- a glove, then they'll make an issue out of it. Now, always check oral hygiene and aligner hygiene. Um, the kids come in sometimes, you know, they're, they're brushing their teeth okay and then you take a look at the aligners and they, they look like a science experiment. And I am concerned about decay. I mean, the, the pH of an aligner that's not clean is probably very acidic. So I want the aligners clean as well as the teeth. So you're always checking for hygiene and making sure that the patients understand how to properly clean their aligners to prevent gingivitis and decay. Praise, positive reinforcement. Like, uh, it depends on your area. Uh, in my area, in Westchester County, New York, yelling doesn't work it just makes it just puts the kids down the parents are upset Um, praise and positive reinforcement i find to be much much more efficient and effective with with young young patients than than you getting on their case because you know what happens you get on their case and they just tune you out now here's another nice little bone that you can throw to your patients if you've got a team patient that's super compliant Let's say maybe Haley, the patient with the deep bite that needed a little bit of anterior torque to to sock in her posterior occlusion. If you've done the heavy lifting, so if most of the rotations are taken care of and the bite bite opening is coming along really well, and you're doing a refinement series of aligners just to, to clean up some things, you can have your good patients switch their aligners. I do this all the time now. This is just my opinion. This is not necessarily the official Align Technology party line, but in my office, we have patients switch their aligners once a week, and it's great. Because the kids come in sometimes, and they're like, oh, 12 more stages. And I say, you know what, Johnny? You've been such a good patient. You're going to switch your aligners once a week. And the kids always say, oh, cool, that's great. And every Sunday they switch. In 12 weeks, you'll be done. And it's very motivating. And I think there's no reason that you can't do that for those little finishing movements. Here's another little trick. We write the dates where the patient is supposed to switch it right on their aligner bag. So, you know, we always have a calendar in the clinic, and we get, write the dates on the bags. There are also, I believe there are some apps. You can go, if you go onto to the App Store, if you have uh, an iOS device or um, uh, an Android device, you know, there's apps you can get as well. But I believe there's some aligner reminder apps where the kids can play, put the date that they insert their aligners, and it'll give them an automatic alert to switch, and you know, kids love that technology, and I think it's a nice way to have that right on their smartphones so they remember when to switch to the next stage. All right, we're almost done, folks. So in conclusion, teens prefer Invisalign, and it works. I hope I've showed, shown you by some of these complex cases that you can achieve excellent results even in your most difficult Invisalign teen cases, and that means that the relatively straightforward teen cases should work just as well. Invisalign Teen provides extrinsic motivation. Use the psychological principle of motivation to keep teens on track. Activate the patient's intrinsic motivation with the magic phrase, no braces for prom or class pictures. Take the time with parents to debunk the myths. And make the consultation about why Invisalign treatment is the best choice for teens and their parents. The consultation should be about why it's important for them, not why it's important for you. And I think if you keep that in mind, you'll find your your start rates go up and your conversion rates go up too. So here's our call to action. In in 2016, the teen consumer is radically changing. They're savvy. They're online. They understand social media. They have cell phones. They understand technology. And that's why they love Invisalign, because of the technology there is a huge opportunity to reach out to more teens. In the United States right now, only about six or, of all the teen patients in the U.S. right now who are in ortho, only about six or seven percent are being treated with Invisalign. So there is a huge, probably huge opportunity right in your community to brand your practice as the Invisalign teen practice and reach out to these patients and treat them. And I think at, in 2016, I, let's, let's say now 2016 is the year, that Invisalign Team, instead of being a treatment option, becomes the treatment of choice for all the reasons that I've shown you in, in the last hour. And I do think that now is the time to make Invisalign Team a part of your practice. Well, that's all for my lecture, but I do have one little announcement, and uh, Dave Molman was nice enough to indulge me on this, but I wanted to announce the launch of my new website. My new website is alignerinsider.com. And it's, I've designed it as an educational uh, website devoted to excellence with Invisalign treatment. And there are, uh, it's free to sign up, and when you sign up for free, you will get a whole bunch of goodies, um, blogs, video lessons, Um, we're going to have some expert commentary, marketing and practice management commentary, in addition to free peer-to-peer discussion forums where you can post cases. And you can share your your Invisalign cases, successes, challenges, questions with your peers to help to to have a a feedback from from people around the world. In addition to consulting services, which are at a fee, where if you're looking for additional help with your ClinCheck setups, I am available to help you on on a one-to-one basis to help you with your ClinCheck setups, whether it's teens or adults, to achieve excellence with Invisalign. And that website is www.alinerinsider.com. And if you want, it's free membership. Sign up today, and you can take advantage of that, too. And I hope you'll take a look at that site. Now, I'm sure you all want continuing education. Uh, And David Molman will explain to you how you can get your CE credits. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's uh, seminar, and I hope to see all of you soon. Thank you, Dr. Glazier, for a great presentation. I want to qu- cover one quick thing that's very important. In order to receive your CE certificate for this program, currently on the screen right now, there's a link to take a quick survey. Once you complete your survey, you'll have immediate access to your CE certificate, so please go there after the completion of the program. If you experience any problems with viewing any of the presentation, the archived program will be available on your Education tab of the Line Doctor's site. I want to thank Dr. Glazier for a great presentation, and for all of you for taking time out of your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thanks very much.